Thank you for listening to Soho Bites, the only podcast in the world, as far as we're aware, dedicated to talking about films set in Soho, the beating heart of bohemian cosmopolitan London. If you would like to support the show, you can do this in the form of a star rating or review at SohoBitesPodcast.com forward slash review. Or if you'd like to put a small amount of money where your mouth is, you can do that at SohoBitesPodcast.com forward slash donate. Donations can be from as little as £3, which will buy at London prices about half a drink for one of our thirsty guests. You may hear some different URLs in the upcoming episode, but by far the easiest way is to follow one of those links. They are again SohoBitesPodcast.com forward slash review and SohoBitesPodcast.com forward slash donate. Thank you for your continued support and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Soho Bites. Soho Bites is the podcast in which we talk to people who love Soho and people who love film. My name is Dominic Delaghi and Soho, ho, ho, ho! Yes, as you may have guessed from those festive sleigh bells and that excruciating pun, this is our shorter than usual and not at all quickly coupled together Christmas special. Now, are there any Christmas Soho films? Well, that's a very good question, and the answer is almost certainly no, which is why I've never made any attempt to do a Christmas episode before, but this year I decided to put aside my humbuggish ways and shamelessly contrive a link between a well-known, well-loved Christmas film and Soho. And that film is The Muppet Christmas Carol. This is my island in the sun. In the original Dickens Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge's office is in the city, just off Cornhill, in fact, and his gloomy house is just a short walk away. The home of Bob Cratchit, Scrooge's downtrodden clerk, is in Camden Town, and there's no reason to believe that any of these locations have been changed in the Muppets version, so it looks as though we're always at least two or three miles away from Soho. However, in the magnificent opening sequence of The Muppet Christmas Carol, the camera takes this long, leisurely swoop through the city of London, and just at the extreme right-hand side of the screen, which I deem to be the West End, there are some buildings which must be in Soho, if you really, really suspend your disbelief, squint your eyes a bit and choose to believe, which, after all, is what Christmas is all about. God bless us, everyone. And that, my friends, is how I've managed to convince myself into believing that The Muppet Christmas Carol is a legit Soho film. In real life, a lot closer to Soho, but still technically outside, is a place where the Christmas spirit, especially that of the Muppet variety, abounds. The Prince Charles Cinema just off Leicester Square. In the first half of the show, I'll be meeting up with Jonathan Foster from the Prince Charles to hear about the history of that beloved venue and to get some sense of what it's like to work there during Muppet Christmas Carol season. After that, I'll be heading in an easterly direction to meet up with a group of drunk podcasters. Eh, it's Christmas, what are you going to do? 
and we'll be attempting to elicit a sliver of coherent thought from each of them about what the Muppet Christmas Carol means to them. To find out if I succeeded, stick around to the second half of the show. Oh, oh, oh. The Prince Charles Cinema on Leicester Place is well known for its eclectic and fan-pleasing repertoire of films. It presents classics, cult movies, interactive events and marathon all-night screenings of things like the Harry Potter series. At this, it presents its famous Muppet Christmas Carol sing-alongs. What could be better? Jonathan Foster is originally from the state of Virginia, in that there America, and has worked at the Prince Charles in various roles for about seven years. One of his various duties is to co-present the Prince Charles Cinema podcast known as the Pod Charles Cinecast. As he's currently working from home like lots of people these days, I spoke to him down the line. The Prince Charles Cinema is it's a much-loved institution. I mean, since I moved to London, which is nearly 30 years ago, it's always been the place where you can go to see a not necessarily mainstream film. It might you, there are mainstream films, but maybe not films that are on general release at the moment. Very, very yeah. reasonably priced. So it's an independent cinema at the heart of the West End. So tell me about it. How long has it been there, and does it have an actual remit? Do you have like a mission statement? The cinema itself, it's been there since the '60s, but when it was first built, it was actually a theater. So it was actually called the Prince Charles Theater. And it was operating, yeah, as like a just theater for, I guess, off West End productions. But it uh, was very unsuccessful, I believe. And it quickly got turned into, I think, like a dance hall or something. And then after that, in the mid-60s, that's when it became the cinema. If anyone's familiar with the place, we have two screens now. And it wasn't until, I guess, like what, the mid-2000s or whatever, that it was split into the two screens. So it always sort of operated as that one screen. So you can kind of imagine like what it would have been like when back when it was a theater. And it was like in the early 90s, the current owners came in and bought the place and they had a chain of cinemas called Robin's Cinemas. And they basically bought the cinema to convert it into a Robin Cinema and offer like cheap tickets basically that was sort of their idea so that used to be if you're asking like a remit that was sort of the idea back in the day that was like you know a place that was like really cheap and uh you can go and have a great time watching some films but now it's kind of converted into like being a place that is more of an institution for the films that are less shown and we love showing film on film so it's more of like preserving that history one of the few independent cinemas around that are still showing 35 millimeter films and we a few years back installed a 70 millimeter projector that also works as a 35 but we also also show like digital films and we'll show new films but it's usually off release because there's all sorts of stuff going on like it kind of is a bit of an event cinema so you know there's a lot of sing-alongs and quote-alongs and marathons and it's it's a wild place it's very very fun there's a lot of fun stuff there uh basically if you like it we're probably showing it like that's kind of it's a grab bag. Are you still showing the room on a regular basis? Yeah. That was a <laughs> yeah. The room is like a, it's basically kind of gets like a, a monthly screening. Um, basically, Tommy Wiseau gets his monthly dose in the to 
inject into the cinema and uh Excellent. it's a fun film um i don't know i've probably seen it too many times but it's one of those things that i think it's really good with the audience and that's like one of the best things about the prince charles cinema it always has like films like that where the audience just kind of comes and makes the show but we also have like we're pretty strict on making sure people aren't ruining films for other people but there are certain films where you kind of get away with it and you can relax your normal roles when did this sort of event cinema starts all this kind of sing-alongs and quote-alongs and stuff has it been going since the, since the new owners took over that sort of kicked off in like the late 90s i believe like 99 or something like that basically we're owned by this company it's called bubble chamber and bubble chamber also owns uh singalonga which is that brand of events so singalonga does their own thing where they'll be a, like you know they've expanded from just being like at our cinema doing things to like just doing events all over the country and i think even some in america maybe australia as well so it's kind of like really blown up but yeah that was like the late 90s and i believe it was the f- the first thing was sound of music and sound of music was like just such a big deal that they started to expand it into other shows like rocky horror and greece and eventually like dirty dancing and, and- frozen sing-along which i took my daughter to a few years ago and we all got dressed up and i wore a wig it's great i really loved yeah. it i was surprised actually because <laughs> I was there, like me and the kids in a row of seats, and in front of us was a group of adult women mm-hmm. <laughs> with no kids inside. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be, be like that. Time. We we had to start like doing adult Frozen shows. Frozen was crazy. Like I I started when Frozen was in the midst of its popularity, and it was huge at the cinema. It was like two or three showings a day on Saturdays and Sundays you'd come in and it'd just be a queue of people waiting already and the doors hadn't opened and we wouldn't open for another hour (laughs) all dressed up in dresses and everything yeah yeah yeah. just and then it's just pure chaos like just like they would obliterate the place with like because they would also give out (laughs) goodie bags and stuff so there'd be all sorts of things like hand clappers and like little paper crowns and plastic bags everywhere and like insane amounts of popcorn on the floor. Yeah, how foul. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm going to see with my kids. I'm up at Christmas Carol next week. Yeah. What can I expect? Is it going to be fun? It's going to be really fun. I, I love them up at Christmas Carol at the at the Prince Charles. We have a host each year, a Santa Claus, our very own Santa, come take the stage. Because of COVID reasons, last year we weren't able to do it. And then we thought we were going to miss out on it this year because of just like there's kind of different rules about singing and stuff but we kind of found out that they were testing the co2 levels in our screens and our screen is like very well ventilated and uh, it's almost like being outside that's how good the ventilation is so it's really really nice and we were able to bring back the sing-along version which is extremely fun because the host is great he's his name is ralph he used to work at the cinema but he's been with us for a number of years and he's now our like just go-to host and he does almost everything for us and he's great as santa claus he'll be giving out little treats and stuff to the audience and yeah inviting everyone getting them prepped to sing along to all the songs wait (laughs) yeah boo mean old scrooge Although yeah, we love him in the end, fun. obviously. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Not that I want to spoil the ending for anybody. <laughs> the ending. And do you have yeah. a favorite moment in the Muppet Christmas Carol? Favorite song? I think the best bits for me are just like kind of the weird bits with uh, Rizzo and Gonzo, just like <laughs> just doing their narration. 
Um, so I, I, I usually get a kick out of that. I'm trying to think song wise. I always kind of found Kermit's Only One More Sleep Till Christmas uh, to be like yeah. one of the more fun ones. I'm not much of a Christmas guy, to be honest. I just kind of endure it until the new year. Yeah. But uh, I do like my Christmas Carol. In fact, I, I like Christmas Carol. I just like the book. I like every version of it. You know, it's a bit like Sherlock yeah. Holmes. Any yeah, version yeah. of Sherlock Holmes, I'll be into it, you know. And I really like the, Christ- the Muppet Christmas Carol. I think it's a really kind of truthful telling of the story, you know. And when, when he has his transformation at the end, that gets me just as much as any other version, even though there's like loads of puppets. And you know there's people under the table with their arms up, puppets' <laughs> yeah, yeah, asses, yeah. you know, doing this. Um, but I, th- I think it's really nice. Yeah, I was looking at some, like, I was, you know, because I handle a lot of the social media, so I was actually post, like, looking for and posting images of, like, some behind-the-scenes stuff. So it's like, all oh, the guys on the ground with the, their hands up the Muppets. But, yeah. I know there was other Muppet films before, but it feels like it's the one that really invented that whole, like, sort of Muppet meme of, like, take any movie or any story and replace all the characters with Muppets except for one and who would the actor be? And it's like Michael Caine is almost kind of like the perfect example of that because mm. it's just so bizarre, Michael Caine being in a film with all these Muppets. And, and he plays it straight, doesn't he? He plays it as though he's talking to humans. Yeah, yeah. He's doing it like so straight, like Shakespeare or something. <laughs> so what's the atmosphere like in the building during these Muppet sing-alongs? Is there a buzz in the building from all the kids being there? Yeah, or? absolutely. Um, there's... I think Christmas time is one of the most fun times of the cinema. I, I'm not there at the moment, and I, I think that's kind of a shame because I feel like I haven't really gotten the uh, Christmas spirit yet because um, <laughs> I'm mostly at home. And I, I'm doing another podcast as well where I'm kind of like watching a lot of old zombie films as well. So that's kind of ruining any chance of me getting <laughs> into the Christmas spirit. Yeah, I'm just perpetually stuck in Halloween this year. But I think London is beautiful at Christmas time. I think it's one of the best times in London, like is Christmas time and at the cinema, it's lovely because you walk in and you just get wafts of mold wine. Our uh, bar manager, Peter, like makes some amazing mold wine. So if you <laughs> want to get some mold wine, definitely it's good stuff. But the smells and then we decorate and it's just really festive and everyone's just in such a good mood. People absolutely love Muppet Christmas Carol. It's like one of the most popular things we show all Christmas long that and like it's a wonderful life so you just like have lots of good spirits coming out and the kids love it so it's a great thing to be able to have things where kids can't come to that's sort of the thing i was talking about earlier like frozen was like a weird anomaly because we felt like we felt like we don't have a lot of kids films but it's nice to have that at christmas time if i've managed to get this episode out on time and if you're listening to it before christmas day 2021 there's still time to book a ticket for the sing-along. The last one is at 3.30pm on the afternoon of Christmas Eve. How fantastic would that be? There really would be. One more sleep till Christmas Day. Thanks to Jonathan for allowing me to pick his brains and you will find details about him, the cinema and the Pod Charles Cinecast on the show notes for this episode at SohoBitesPodcast.com. Hello, this is what's known as a mid-roll ad. It's one of those annoying interruptions that's inserted retrospectively at just the wrong point. And the reason for it is that Soho Bites takes up hours of time every month, and I'm hoping you might be able to support the show. There are two ways you can do this. One is for free, and it's to leave the show a star rating or kind review. You can do that at sohobitespodcast.com forward slash review, 
or if you'd like to assist financially to help cover our costs, you can do that at sohobitespodcast.com forward slash donate. Thank you very much. Apologies for the interruption and back to the episode. Now, it says in my template script here, short summary of plot, no spoilers. But is that really necessary in this instance? It's the Muppet Christmas Carol. You know, Scrooge, Three Ghosts, Tiny Tim, all of that. You know the story, you've probably seen at least three versions of it and read the book. So I'm just going to tumble straight into the next item. But very quickly... The Muppet Christmas Carol does have quite a complex history of having had different versions available. These were for theatrical presentations, some were on DVD, Blu-ray, VHS, even Laserdisc. And most of these differences between the various versions revolve around the inclusion or omission of certain songs. I'm not going to go into it all here, but I would just gently nudge you in the direction of a very good article about this on the Screen Stories website written by Mark Harrison. You can find a link to that on the show notes at SohoBytesPodcast.com. But other than that, what do you need to know about the Muppet Christmas Carol if you haven't seen this particular telling of the tale? Well, Scrooge is played by a human, Michael Caine, as are his closest relatives, but pretty much everybody else is played by a Muppet. Mr and Mrs Bob Cratchit, for example, are played by Kermit and Miss Piggy. The character of Jacob Marley, Scrooge's deceased business partner, has been expanded into two characters called Jacob and Robert Marley. Get it? And they're played by the Muppet Theatre's resident hecklers, Statler and Waldorf. And Mr Fezziwig is played by the hapless Fozzie Bear. You get the picture. The whole thing is narrated by Charles Dickens himself, played by Gonzo the Great, using quite big chunks of the original text. In fact, much of the dialogue, as well as the narration, is lifted straight from the page, including Scrooge's famous remarks about surplus population and workhouses, and his panicked assertions that the ghosts of Marley and Marley are just hallucinations brought about by some undigested beef. There's more of gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. December the 4th this year was the date of a Christmas get-together of a group of loosely connected podcasters in a London pub. Most of the attendees have some connection to the Talking Pictures TV podcast and love film. So when I asked them at very short notice if they would mind talking about the Muppet Christmas Carol into my microphone... They were chomping, chomping, I say, at the bit to take part. The pub was noisy, and not all of them were 100% sober by the time I arrived, but after some highly skilled judicious editing, I think I managed to make them sound almost like normal people. It's a cold December evening in old London town and I'm standing by the banks of the mighty River Thames in Bankside. I'm outside a pub called The Anchor and I'm here to meet a group of podcasters or a pod of podcasters is probably the correct term and I'm here just for a festive drink but I thought on my way here it might be quite a nice idea to ask them their opinions of a Muppet Christmas Carol seeing as they're here and I've got my microphone with me. So come with me now as I walk from the banks of the Thames where it's really cold into the warmth of the pub. So mask going on, headphones back on. 
Oh, my specs have steamed up. My specs have steamed up. Hello. I'm recording. Hello, 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 hello. Last up. Hello. Any more in English? I know, but I'm, I'm here to record your opinions of a film. So, uh, so after all the usual greetings, I set myself up on a table in the corner of the pub and attempted to persuade people to talk to me, enticing them over with cocktail sausages, eggnog, and promises of a more fulfilled life. The first person to fall for this was Michael. He's the writer, presenter and producer of the Murder Mile podcast and appeared on Soho Bites way back in episode 9 talking about the death of Freddie Mills. Luckily for us, he was having a night off from murder. Merry Christmas, Murder Mile, Mike. Merry Christmas. So, I'm just asking the various pod pals here about their, their take on Muppet Christmas Carol. And you have a particular take in that you have met, worked with even... Kermit the Frog. No, Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine. Tell me about that. Lovely, lovely Michael Caine. Uh, this was back in 2000. I was working on a film called Last Orders, a British film made through Scala. Yeah, very good. Um, Michael Caine, uh, we were doing a read-through. Michael Caine was one of the stars of the film. Um, I was a nothing. I wasn't even a runner. I was literally nothing. And as I walked into the room, he came across to me and he went... I, I thought he was coming to see someone else. So I was looking around thinking, who's he looking at? He came straight up to me and he said, hello, I'm Michael. I so oh, wanted he to go. missed an opportunity. My name. <laughs> okay. But no, he said, my name's Michael. Uh, what's your name? I said, Michael. And he said, oh, you're doing the filming? I went, yes. He went, oh, get a good shot of me. We had a bit of banter. And I thought, well, that's nice. Next day came up to me again and said hello Michael you should have you, said what's your name again mate Sorry. I know it's amazing it's like you don't need to remember my name but he, he was so nice really genuine really sweet which makes me now feel a bit mean about asking this next question I love Michael Caine obviously but he's not a great singer is he if, if the film's anything to go by he's not the best singer in the world I think it, I think even in his biography he admits that as well I think in one of his early rep performances he tried to do singing and I think he admitted it was pretty poor but as an actor wonderful I think he's one of these people who will just go for it just give it a go he's good fun he's um, I think a lot of directors say which is he works a lot with the same directors all the time because they love him he's very supportive he supports everyone he's wonderful does it count as a Soho film just say yes uh, yes it does oh well done Mike well done you see, The Muppet Christmas Carol is a Soho film because Murder Mile Mike said so. The next person I managed to drag in front of the mic was Danny, and guess where she first saw the film? The first time I ever watched it was at the Prince Charles Cinema, and there was a lot of little ones around. And uh, they had like a pre-thing on uh, on the stage where they, they did a play, and there were a lot of kids around, and it was very fun. And I remember reading at one point an interview with Michael Caine and he said that he only accepted the role as Scrooge if he could play it as a Shakespearean actor, not as a Muppet Christmas Carol thing. It was like, I'm going to be serious about this. I'm going to take it seriously. Yeah. And no matter what happens around me, like all the Muppets around him. 
and I think he did a really good job. I think it really works. I mean, him him playing it totally straight really yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. And uh, whatever version of Christmas Carol, there there are a couple of moments that always make me just go, oh, I'm going to go. I need to no, yeah, no yeah. look at me. One is um, when he says, "You young fellow, what, what day is it?" And then he says, um, "Oh, it's Christmas Day." And he says, "What an excellent young fellow you are!" Always makes me go. Oh. He's just so good. I just got goosebumps. Look at that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the audio goosebumps. I could run my nail over them now and you could uh, <laughs> listen to the sound of it. And also, anything to do, any Tiny Tim reference, the whole Tiny yeah. Tim stuff makes me, yeah. just makes me go. It's just so beautiful. Um, and it's such, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but fun, in a very fun, childish, innocent way. I mean, one of the, I think there's the reason that one of the first musical moments is the ones where, with the, with the mice and with everyone singing like... Hum. Yeah, the great big, it's a great big number at the beginning, isn't it? With yeah. the big sweeping street yes, scenes the, and everything. Yeah, it's really scenes. impressive. It's just really impressive. That number has stayed with me. Yeah. Good. Well, we've yeah. got lots of love in the house from Muppet Christmas Carol. That's, yes, um... of course. Danny has a podcast about film called Kinotomic, and I'll put a link to that and to the work of all the attendees that night in the show notes at SohoBitesPodcast.com. Now, unfortunately, the next contributor has no shame. So, as it turns out, one of the pod pals came with a pre-prepared script to talk about Muppet Christmas Carol, that is dedication. It's um, shameful Steve Noble. Go ahead. My name is Michael Scrooge. It has occurred to me that there's been a lot of Muppet-related activity on my street lately. My doorbell appears to be composed of old men, and my clock is a frog, whose surname is Cratchit, and frankly, smells like it. He's a frog. A bloody frog! Thank you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you like Muppet Christmas Carol? love the Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> seriously, Muppets, Michael Caine, is there a better idea? I, I'm seriously, I want to have drinks with the person that came up with that concept. Have you been drinking? No. Oh. No, I'm actually very, very sober. But I'm considering it now. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. That'll do. And off he went. Steve Ignoble often appears on the Talking Pictures TV podcast and his contributions are, it says here, a highlight of each episode. Next up was Adam Roach. Adam is the highly accomplished podcaster who founded the Talking Pictures TV podcast, as well as the much-loved Attaboy Clarence podcast and the multi-award winning Secret History of Hollywood. Adam, I said to him, how does The Muppet Christmas Carol compare to other more conventional versions of the story, in your opinion? I can say that with whole heart that um, Muppet's Christmas Carol is the definitive version I of think so. um, a Christmas it's, it's, Carol story. In, in its spirit it is, isn't it? It just gets everything right. The, the, the happiness is always kept bubbling under the surface. There's no, like, de- nothing's too depressing. Michael Caine is perfect. And because he's such a, what's the word? He's such a, he's such a thespian. Sorry, dog. He's such a, he's such a thespian. You don't expect him to uh, take acting with Muppets seriously but um, when he does it's even more delightful I think he must have appeared on the show at some point mustn't he because he seems to know them all (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised Um, and uh, I had another question swung into my mind but the pint removed it from my brain put another one in there hang on everyone Dom's going to put a question back into his head (laughs) oh yeah Yeah, there we go there we go (laughs) so uh, question. The, in the original, we, I think the first line of the book is Jacob Marley was dead. But in this version, the Muppets version, 
Jacob Marley's dead. And also, Bob Marley. <laughs> Which is a really funny joke, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's, it's um, Waldorf and Statler, isn't it? Which is hilarious. It's actually a perfect film. In, in fact, I would say, even though everyone likes the Muppets movie and the great Muppet caper, um, I would say the Muppets Christmas Carol stands head and shoulders above even all the Muppet movies, as well as being the best Christmas Carol version. High praise for the Muppet Christmas Carol there from Adam Roach, the high priest of movie podcasters, if you don't count Simon Brew. And then into my orbit came Tracy, the founder of the feast. Tracy is a regular contributor to the TPTV podcast and has become the unofficial group's unofficial social secretary, arranging these meetups and always ensuring there are vegan and gluten-free options available for those people who are that way inclined. So, you have a particular take on Muppet Christmas Carol, which I've not heard. Everybody else tells me it's full of joy and laughter and fun, and and you. it seems to be a terrifying experience for you. Yeah, I find the Dementor terrifying. I have to scroll forward very quickly. And um, I think the uh, the child is, is, is ethereal. It's too ethereal. It's too... Um, yeah, I think it's a bit... Yeah, I don't like it. So, probably the mentor you're talking about, the Ghost, the of, ghost Christmas of Christmas Future. Future, yeah. Who, I mean, it's very true to the book, actually. It's just a kind of cloaked figure with a bony hand comes out. Surely... I think it's the faceless character, the faceless future. And I think sometimes you have an idea of what your future's going to be. It's not usually that black and dark, your future. You've got a... It's supposed to be bright. Your future's bright ahead, and this was like a, a, a black face of um, of doom and disaster. And I don't like that. Yeah, I do, I do wonder if because I mean that is pretty much how Charles Dickens describes the ghost of Christmas future or the ghost of uh, Christmas yet to come. I think he calls it. J.K. Rowling must have based the Dementors on that. It's so oh, similar. Yeah, yeah, that, that, uh, I haven't seen very much of Harry Potter, but. Um, yeah, I can see the character. It's just me personally. I don't, I don't like it. But the film itself is hilarious. I think it's, it's one of the best versions of um, Christmas Carol. Uh, this is what I've been asking people. Do you think it's true to the spirit of the original story? Yeah, I do. I think it's, it's just very cleverly done. And you, you, uh, the best thing about Muppets when it's so cleverly done, you forget they're puppets, and you're just watching it, and you think they're real, and you want them to be real. Well, that's the first person I've heard say they found anything scary about the film. And I'm glad Tracy felt comfortable opening up to you, the Soho Bites listener, about that. My next guest also had an individual take on the film. Helena Nash, a member of the Attaboy Clarence Film Club, details in the show notes, compares the beautiful opening sequence of The Muppet Christmas Carol to another film. I did some revision last night, i.e. the first ten minutes. Of, uh, which, is a, which is an impressive opening scene. The massive opening scene. Do you know what I was going to say? It reminds me of the opening to A Touch of Evil. Uh, by, uh, oh, Orson now Wars. that's a, a, a parallel that hasn't been drawn so far. <laughs> I thought I'd bring something new to your uh, your, your research there. Uh, uh, you know, the massive sweep of the camera over uh, over London. Very similar to the opening of uh, a classic noir film, except nobody plants a bomb under uh, Charles Dickens' Apple store. That's in uh, Christmas Carol 2. No, you know, I've not seen that. And how do you think it compares to other versions of Christmas Carol? I mean, there are several, aren't there? There I mean, are many. I've forgotten about the Bill Murray one, for example. Right, see, okay, I've never seen Bill Murray Scrooged. Okay. I'm kind of aware of it. Um, the uh, Alistair Sim one, I guess, is my go-to. Although, that is what? the one that all of us are judged by, isn't it? The is Alistair that right? Sim one. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. so, yeah. 
to just be slightly lovey about it, my favourite version of Christmas Carol was the Patrick Stewart's one-man stage play that I saw at uh, the old Vic. Very good. Which was Very dead good. good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you ask the one that sticks in my mind, it's mainly uh, the Alistair Sim one, but... I don't see that too much, and uh, my sister-in-law is uh, the world's hugest Muppet fan, so I am more than aware of Marley and Marley uh, and, uh, and other similar enhancements to the movies. I'd only known my next contributor as the bloke on the Talking Pictures TV podcast who talks about Secret Army, Phil McCarty. Phil, as it turns out, is a recent convert to the delights of the Muppet Christmas Carol. I had avoided the Muppet Christmas Carol for years because Alistair Sim is too fond in my memory until my partner said, let's go to the Lunar Cinema outdoors on the big screen and see the Muppet Christmas Carol. This is like a drive-in, is it? A drive-in film. Oh, And I went, oh, all right. And they have the scene in Scrooge's accounting house and the Muppets go to him and say, but Mr. Scrooge, we're freezing. Our hands are so cold we can't work. Can we put another piece of coal on the fire? And he goes, how would you like to be in the unemployment line? And it cuts to Muppets in Hawaiian shirts going, this is my island in the sun. Yeah. And I laughed my head off. That is very funny. They go, heat wave. That's it. Yeah, and yeah. I was there from that point on and loved it. It takes lots of liberties, obviously, because it's Oh, it takes lots and- lots of liberties, but it's the Muppets. It's meant for family viewing. It's safe, fun, affectionate family viewing that children will not struggle with. And it's perfect family entertainment with the odd joke for the adults. I find some of it quite moving still. Yes. I mean, when he, when he has his transformation at the end, I find that just as moving as I do the more kind of conventional adaptations and the book. You know, he yes, does kind of... Right. It gets me, gets me there every time. Yeah, that's a testimony to Kane's skill. I've always thought about Michael Kane that he's the kind of actor who is more skilled than he lets on. And the final drunkard to roll up to my microphone was Kev, not a podcaster, but a comic book artist whose work has featured in everything from the Beano to Marvel comics. I put it to him that even though the cast of The Muppet Christmas Carol is mostly made of foam and latex, there is an emotional truth in the film that makes it worthy of its place in the canon of Christmas Carol adaptations. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was suggested that if you had the Muppets doing it, you couldn't take it as seriously as you did. But of course you can, because who is more pathetic, in the literal sense of the word, than Kermit? Kermit exudes pathos. Yeah. He is always the fi- fall guy. That Canadian tone of voice, which it would be unkind to call a whine, but... It does sound like someone who is pleading because they're constantly put upon. Yeah, it does, yeah. And that is Bob Cratchit. I think it's truer to the spirit of Dickens' intention than most film adaptations because they communicate directly to an audience on a light entertainment level, which is what Dickens himself did. Dickens did public readings, and so Dickens would be relating to the audience, and he'd be changing his tone, changing his pace, changing his volume, dependent on how that audience was reacting. He would play up the laughs, he would play up the pausing and the drama in order to get the right response. What the Muppets do is that they relate to an audience, although admittedly they didn't do live stage shows much, they did do TV, but my feeling is 
because they're light entertainment first. They're approaching it like Dickens did. I've got this story. It's a really good and relatable story. Absolutely anybody of any age can get it. Package it up with these light entertainment connecting figures. Not Albert Finney doing some silly songs that misrepresent the character, but uh, uh, Michael Caine acting as well as Michael Caine can do. And all these other people embodying these parts, but rounding them up and pointing them towards you in an entertaining way. And yeah, it's what Dickens would have wanted. And so, one by one, like snowflakes on the red, swollen face of an inebriated Santa lying in a pool of his own vomit, the podcast pals melted away. Eventually, it was just me and Murder Mile Mike slumped in a corner, clutching our doggy bags of party food. It was time to leave. A Tiny Tim would say, God bless us one and all. God bless us. Yeah, God bless us. <laughs> I think that'll do. Thank you to all my many, many guests who contributed to this first and probably last Christmas edition of Soho Bites. I've tried to compile as much info about them and as many links as I can find, and I've added all that to the show notes at the usual place, SohoBitesPodcast.com. And if you can think of another Christmas film with a Soho link, do let me know in time for next Christmas, and I might do another one next year. You can get in touch about that, or literally anything else, on Twitter, on at BitesSoho, or by email on SohoBitesPodcast at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed the programme, I'd be very grateful if you could leave a star rating or a nice review, and it's as straightforward as you could possibly imagine. All you have to do is go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash SohoBytes and follow the simple instructions. SohoBytes is produced by me, Dom Delaghi, and is based on an original idea by Dr. Jing and Young. That's all from me. Until next year, ta and Merry... Whatever. <laughs> <laughs>